You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Covenant. Great to have you declaring the greatness of God with us today. What fun, what fun it is to worship together. But this morning, I have the privilege of introducing our guest. And because we have a guest speaker, we actually have all of our campuses uh, joining us live today. So we have our Statesville congregation, our East Lincoln congregation. So why don't you join me in just giving a big welcome to our church family on the other two campuses. Would you do that? But today we have Dr. Ted Vell uh, with us. Yesterday we had a crossover event. We were talking about how do we reach uh, individuals who uh, are both near and far. It's interesting, the world is coming to us. It's not just that we have to go to the world, but the world's coming to us, and we have an opportunity to, to live out the love of Jesus and um, carry out the mission that God's given us. So we talked about that yesterday with some workshops, and, and Ted was able to stay over to, to uh, speak to us this morning. So let me tell you a little bit about, about Ted Bell. Grew up in Seattle, uh, where he came to know Christ as his Savior, um, Married his wife, Don. They have three children, Grace, Mercy, and Daniel. He resides in Longmont, Colorado, uh, where at one point he was pastoring a four-square church in Boulder. His wife is now giving leadership. Actually, this is her last Sunday. Ted was telling me that she's uh, resigning this Sunday because of what their family's embracing with some broader responsibilities. Um, but Ted... Not only loves Jesus, but he loves helping other people come to know Jesus. And that's why this role of the International Missions Director for our church family, the Foursquare family, is why he fills this role so well. He served uh, in the country of Japan um, on a mission assignment as well as Central America. Um, before he embraced this role, he's been serving in missions for 19 years uh, and really helping us as a church family carry out our God-given mission of taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Would you join me in welcoming Dr. Ted Bell as he comes to bring the message this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Ah, so great to be here. And if I could, entiendo que está traduciendo en español este culto. Quiero saludar la familia latina y la familia hispana también. Buenos días. Everybody can say buenos días, right? All right, so you're translating this service into Spanish also. Wow. Well, um, thanks so much, uh, Pastor Farrell and uh, Pastor Rachel, for such a great time yesterday as well. And as uh, Pastor Farrell mentioned, yes, uh, our two daughters are Grace and Mercy with names like that. It, it is hard to yell at your kids uh, for, for very long. Um, uh, as he mentioned, um, I came to know Christ as a teenager, and I really hadn't heard the gospel before that. And there was a guy that was, we were underage, so there was a guy that was buying us alcohol, and he no-showed um, <clears throat> on the shipment one time. And when he did, when we did find him, uh, we were shocked as he introduced me to John chapter 3, verse 3, that you must be born again <laughs> to enter the kingdom of God. And... That was my awakening. Sometimes we say before a great awakening, there must be a rude awakening. And that was my awakening, and it was just what I needed. And so as a teenager, I came to know Christ just uh, 
after getting discipled and a few years later had a sense that maybe I would go to another country and talk about Jesus. Some missionaries invited me to go to Japan to work with young people. And I didn't know what else I was going to be doing. So I thought, well, sure, I'll do it. And they said, well, go to your community college, learn conversational Japanese and let's do this. And so I went and learned conversational Japanese in my community college. Uh, flew to Japan. The missionaries met me there, and after eight days, they left me there uh, and left me with the Japanese church, where I discovered that my conversational Japanese was at the adequate level to offend the Japanese in their own language, was <laughs> pretty much what I got. But it opened up a lot of really wonderful ministry. Some great things happened, and really what happens is, is your heart imprints. And in this love for people, and at times overwhelmed, seeing a sea of humanity and wondering how many of them have even had the chance to hear even once about the love of God. And that began to really affect my heart. Uh, fast forward a few years later, my wife Dawn and I, and we, uh, our uh, oldest daughter at the time, Grace, was four years old, and she and I were in the Disney store at the mall, and I lost her. Parents, have you, have you ever misplaced your children temporarily? Well, in the Disney store, it's not a huge store, but I can't find her. And your adrenaline levels and your pulse just go up. Your stomach goes down and you just, you get this pain and this anxiety. And, and I can't seem to find her any place. I'm looking down the rows. And so I go to the door thinking she's not going to get out of here. And then I hear uh, some, some crying in the Little Mermaid section. And so I, I go and, and there she is and... Uh, and, but then as I was hugging her, um, I, I really felt like I heard the voice of the Lord speak to my heart. But the Lord said, okay, what if you wouldn't have found her? And, and right away my mind goes to, well, I, I would call small security and I'd shut them all down and say, nobody gets out of here until we find my daughter. But then I heard, but, but what if you still wouldn't have found her? And I thought, well, I would look everywhere. I would just keep on looking and, and, and I would enlist the support of anybody, whether you knew me or not, whether you even liked me or not. I'd get everybody to help me. This is my daughter. And then I heard the Lord say, when would you stop looking? Parents, when would you stop looking? Never. You would always be looking. You would always be enlisting the support of others. And then the final thing I heard in that moment in the Disney store was, the Lord said, now you're beginning to understand my heart for the world. That every person in this world, in your neighborhood and to the ends of the earth, these are people created in God's image, worthy of his love, worthy of dignity, that he loves them, even those that don't know him. The heart of God. Well, I can't think of a better verse that expresses the heart of God than, than this one. And I, I'm doing a little softball Bible quiz here. This one's pretty easy, but I thought, let's try it anyway. And I'm even using the King James today. How many of you grew up with King James? So uh, um, I haven't used this for quite a while, but I love the way that it's worded. So I thought, let's go with this one. This, the heart of God for everyone, for the world. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, fill in the blank, you guys nailed it. All right. Whosoever believes within him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't you love? How many of you here are here because the word whosoever qualified you? There's a whole lot of whosoever's here, aren't there? 
I'm so thankful that he said that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord could be saved. But you know, in school, I was just thinking about this verse and, and um, I was thinking in school, you remember when your teacher gives a lesson and then at the end they say, there's going to be a test on this material. I think of that every Sunday when I'm in church. I think whatever the sermon is, there's going to be a test on this material. We just don't know when the test is going to be, but likely at lunch today <laughs> and then soon after. I like it because there's going to be a test on this material. Here we are in John chapter 3. And as a matter of fact, the last verse of this chapter, verse 36, he actually says it again. Whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. But then it's chapter 4. Now, chapter 4 is famous for the encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. So this idea that there's going to be a test on the material, right after he says whosoever, he's going to introduce us to, for the Jews at that time, the biggest whosoever they could ever think of. And so let's look at the passage. It's in John chapter 4, verses 7 to 9. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, this would be from the well, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, Oh, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How could you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Samaritans would be classified as, Oh, those people. And it's interesting how often Jesus calls us and calls the disciples to Samaritans. Those that are geographically near, but culturally distant. And in this case, there are a number of divides. There is obviously an ethnic or racial divide. There's even a religious divide, as you'll see. And there's a gender divide as well. So Jesus is breaking a lot of rules, and he's bringing the good news to somebody that the people in the last chapter would have said, even her, she's one of them. And he says, whosoever, and now I'm going to go show you that the love of God is for everyone. Well, one thing I like about my job, and I do believe I have, I, I have the best job in the world. Um, I get to go and see firsthand, right here in the States, but throughout the nations, the awesome things that are happening around the world. And there are some awesome things that are happening around the world. There are also some unprecedented challenges around the world and in the nations as well. Uh, let me show you a map that we work with a lot in missions. <clears throat> so this world map here, the red countries we would call the red zone. Uh, and the red zone <clears throat> refers to what we call the unreached Now, unreached does not mean unresponsive. It means that these represent um, 3.1 billion people that live in these nations in 6,000 different people groups. And these unreached have never had the chance to hear the gospel because there's nobody in their own people group that could bring it to them in their own language and culture. In other words, somebody will have to come in from the outside. As much as we want to celebrate some great things that are happening, there are some huge challenges. Now, even as Pastor Farrell mentioned earlier, one of the interesting things today is that there is a growing global church in those nations. Much to celebrate. In the matter, as a matter of fact, um, the Foursquare family that we're a part of, which is a part of the bigger body of Christ. And if I could add also, this is not Foursquare's mission, not my mission, not yours, not Grace Covenant's mission. This is God's mission. It's the mission of God. 
But what we're seeing in our part of the body of Christ, in our four-square family, when people are thinking that the church is in decline, uh, most of the rest of the world never got that memo. <laughs> they didn't see that one yet. The church, though persecuted in places, though deeply challenged, continues to grow. Transforming nations, a red zone nation like Cambodia, uh, where we're very active and our churches have grown enormously, that nation might even see a Christian majority population uh, in the next few years. A nation like Turkey, <clears throat> Turkey, the, uh, a nation of 80 million people where there are only around 10,000 known Christ followers. And yet the Foursquare Church in that nation, a uh, network of churches there, uh, is the largest Protestant movement in that whole nation. So it's to celebrate, but it's also a challenge. Nations like Sri Lanka and Colombia and Panama, where we've seen explosive revival, 24,000 churches in the world's largest Muslim nation of Indonesia. It's amazing what God's doing out there, but the challenges, as we mentioned, are vast with the unreached. When we talk about unreached, we oftentimes are talking about children. The average age in most nations that we're speaking of is much lower than ours, and so often it is kids that are uh, really needing this hope, and we're just trying to find a way to get it to them. I think of uh, Red Zone or Nations of the Unreached. Uh, uh, Bangladesh. Think of Bangladesh is about the geographic footprint of the size of the state of Iowa, smaller than Georgia. And yet there are more people that live there than in all of Russia. It's just amazing how, how compact certain parts of the world and pockets of the world are. Of course, Grace uh, Covenant is involved with Cote d'Ivoire, uh, and this is the, the Ivory Coast in West Africa. And what you're able to do there in helping that nation to grow is helping others as they reach into some of those really tough Sahara nations that they're involved in, places that we might not be as effective because of language and culture. So <clears throat> we're seeing great things happen, and yet the challenge is overwhelming. Do you know that in that whole red zone, only 3% of the world's mission workforce, only 3% is going to this huge mega population. And as far as resources go, only one in $100,000 of Christian charitable contributions goes to any help in the red zone. So it is something that we're very aware of, and it, God has put this on our heart. As I mentioned, uh, this growing church movement that we have in those part of the parts of the world, <clears throat> their immigrants also come here. Some come because it was like they weren't hearing the gospel there. Almost like God was saying, I love you so much and you weren't hearing the gospel there. So you know what I'm going to do uh, in the midst of all this upheaval and turmoil? I'm going to send you to North Carolina. I know they'll love you. I know they won't close their hearts and close their drapes. I know you'll get a chance to experience the love of God. But what's interesting also is that our growing global church, they have Acts 1-8 in their Bible too that says you'll receive power to be a witness in Jerusalem at home in Judea in your county state, Samaria geographically near culturally distant people and to the ends of the earth. And well, if you're in, um, if you're in Papua New Guinea, where's the end of the earth for you? Yeah, it's, it's probably Asheville or something. I mean, it's, uh, that's what's the amazing thing about our world today. 
Well, uh, let me show you and finish the story of the, the woman at the well. So this were, these were uh, Jesus' kind of closing words in this whole story. The disciples, they were out getting some food. They came back. They're still totally appalled that he's talking to this woman and wondering, why are we even in Samaria among those people? We usually go around this place, don't we? And this is what he says to them. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. In other words, you guys are saying, yeah, someday, when then? But I'm telling you, lift up your eyes, look again. And today, this is what I wanted to encourage you with the words of Jesus, that we would see with the eyes of Jesus that things are ready right now. Interestingly enough, that he says that in Samaria, that he says it amongst those people. Would you receive this, that, that people that are different from you are ready to receive the good news? They are the whosoevers of the world. And God wants to equip you to go to them right here at home, but also at the ends of the earth. Sometimes crossing cultures, even at home, it can be, uh, it can be quite, a, quite an experience. Uh, I was just thinking that my wife and I, we're from Seattle, and we talk about a cross-cultural experience. We moved to Los Angeles. That's a different culture. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so when we moved to Los Angeles, um, so we did our best. To, it's pretty expensive there. So we did our best and, and got what we could afford there. But um, sometimes nearby, there was a, uh, kind of across this arroyo, this little uh, river valley, there was a, a really uh, wealthy area of town. And really, really nice grocery store. And so my wife, she brought the burgundy minivan over there to go shopping, grocery shopping. And so she's in the grocery store. Our kids are younger. And she's coming out of the grocery store one time and uh, sees our minivan. And right next to it, this big white Cadillac Eldorado pulls in next to it. You remember the Eldorado with the big eight foot long doors? And so, and so as she's walking, the Eldorado parks. And all of a sudden, those big doors open and it just goes boom, right in the side of our van. And so she's walking and she gets a little agitated. And so she starts walking over there faster with the kids. And then she sees this elderly gentleman sitting there. And obviously he's uh, embarrassed. He's, he's, got his, he's got his face in his hands and he's just shaking his head on the steering wheel. And you can tell he's really sorry. And my wife is taking her thumbnail and scraping white paint off the side of our, our burgundy minivan. And and uh, he's saying, you know, oh, I'm so, so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And she says, you know what? You, you can't take this stuff with you. And this is what he says. He goes, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> not a great line. It kind of captured my heart, though. I thought, you know, we should all probably hear that every once in a while. We should probably all hear every once in a while somebody going, wait a minute. Why are you forgiving those guys? They don't deserve it. Why would you reach out and love those, those people? I thought it probably would do us good every once in a while to have somebody say, you're not from around here, are you? To be able to say, well, technically I'm not because my citizenship is actually someplace else. Well, let's continue with whosoever in Romans chapter 10. I'm sticking with King, King James here. He did us well earlier because I like to use whosoever again. <clears throat> he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed in? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So first of all, don't you love the fact he says it again? Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. I know that in a service like this and even somebody watching online, there might be somebody feeling in their heart like, oh, if the people around knew what I've done, what I've thought and what I've done, they would not let me darken the door of this church. Surely, surely I, I've done too much and I'm too far gone. And this verse right here, along with John three sixteen, they remind us that whosoever would call on the name of the Lord. That God's love is for everybody and nobody is beyond or outside of it. You, you just can't go that far. But then he says, so this is good news, right? Anybody could call on the name of the Lord and be saved. But how could they if they don't believe? And how could they believe unless somebody shares this with them? And how could somebody share it with them unless they're sent to them? This gets us even to that story of the unreached. There were places where we're going to have to go in. And then he says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. I heard something the other day, and it just resonated in my heart. Somebody said, the beautiful feet that bring the gospel of peace are connected to the worn out knees of intercession that pray. And they're connected to the generous hands that give. I thought that painted such a great picture that we are all on the mission of God. With this uh, challenge before us so great, it is not going to just be a few pastors or missionaries. It is going to require the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. We are all going to need to be on God's mission. Wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, you could be a part of the feet, the knees, and the hands that we would all be in this together. As the saying goes, you can go faster alone, but you can go farther together. And this is the place where if we were together, imagine what we could do. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break. I need you to repeat something after me. Are you ready? We are God's plan A to reach the world. And there is no plan B. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking at it. <laughs> Isn't that a crazy thought that God chose to not write things in the sky? That he chose there's no other way the gospel gets out really except through us. This is the plan. So important that we're all doing this together. So I just grabbed a couple of pictures of some people that I was actually just in contact with just in the last couple of days. And I thought, I'm just going to grab their picture and put them up as kind of, I could say this way, everyday people just like us that are out changing the world in different ways. Uh, And so, and these are all taking the big leap of stepping out in mission. So first of all, somebody that you probably know, this is Dan Lucero. Dan um, works with the French speaking world and West Africa. And you guys have a kind of a partnership in, in partnering with Dan. Dan is an apostolic person. And what I mean by that is he's an expansionist. Wherever he goes, even to unreached villages that don't have a church, don't have a believer, 
<clears throat> by the end of this, Dan will have somebody in there and have a church in there. Just in the nation of Niger alone, Niger alone, in the last three years, churches have been planted in 100 villages that had never heard the gospel before. It's amazing what God does, not only through him, but the disciples that he makes. And, and then the next picture, this is, uh, this is Caleb. <clears throat> now, I like this one. Caleb's in his 30s. Caleb is a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. Caleb's been very involved in politics. But he got a hold of this material about making disciples and praying for sick people and watching them get healed and wanting to share it. So Caleb does not live in other countries, but he spends a lot of time traveling there, even though he still runs a business. And he does this because he so wants to make disciples in other nations. And, um, and so here he's getting out of, oh, he's in Southeast Asia in this picture. And then the next picture, I love it because he said, yeah, these were our three Vietnamese boat drivers and they all got saved that day too. And so I thought, this is great. We get to see him in heaven. What a, what a story. And then finally, I wanted to show you this one. This is Helen. Helen's 75 years old. Her husband passed away just a couple of years ago. Helen just deployed to a red zone country. She just deployed to a red zone country. And I want you to hear what she said. She said, over all these years, God has built a spiritual bank account in my life. It is my desire to spend it all so that others may become rich in his love. She said to me, Ted, um, I'm 75 and I want this last season of my life to be totally crazy awesome. Someone else I wanted to highlight was actually a missionary sent from your church that's in the red zone, the country of Myanmar. It's Rebecca Davis. And uh, there's actually things on the bulletin board about her out there. And I just want to say thank you so much for sending her. She's making a difference. And it's because of you back to feet, knees, and hands being a part of this. So thanks for Rebecca Davis also serving in the red zone. Let's, um, let's look at, this is a favorite verse of mine. And uh, we're kind of staying on the Samaria theme. Uh, and this is one of my favorite verses. So there was great joy in that city. Don't you believe that's the heart of God? That the city would rejoice. Now, what's the context? The context is this is when the gospel first went to Samaria uh, after Jesus. This is when it first went. It actually went through Philip. Now, Philip did not choose to go to Samaria, not plan A for him. He had to, because of the persecution that was happening in Jerusalem, they all fled for their lives. He got into Samaria, and while he was in Samaria, he decides to preach Christ. And as he preaches Christ, uh, people are saved, people are healed, people are delivered. And that's why it says there is great joy in the city. You know what else I love about Philip's story? Philip wasn't a pastor. Philip wasn't an apostle. Philip's job in Acts chapter 6, as you'll see, was actually serving tables. He was, if I could say it this way, he is one of us, serving tables, and yet God uses him to bring joy and the good news to Samaria. And then just later in the chapter, in the middle of success, God calls him to go out onto the desert road where he meets uh, who's called the Ethiopian eunuch or a, the treasurer of the nation of, of Ethiopia, leads him to Christ. That eunuch then takes the gospel to the uttermost, just like it said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it all happened through somebody who was not a pastor, somebody who was not an apostle. Make no mistake, the role of a pastor is very important these days. But the role of a pastor is to equip all of us so that we can go have the fun. 
Um, I'm highlighting workers today. I'm highlighting that it's going to have to be everybody going everywhere if we're really going to reach this world. Back to thinking about the heart of God and even my, when my daughter was lost in the store, just that sense of desperation that God has to reach everybody. It will take all of us. I want to show you a video that we put together uh, that is called Workers Wanted. Each morning, in every corner of our world, nearly one out of every two people wake up and face life's challenges, its trials and hardships, perhaps never knowing the love, the grace, the power of Jesus Christ. As the Foursquare Church, it is our conviction, our assignment in this world, to bring light into darkness, to every day journey into the world's difficult places, to reach those that are often hardest to reach. We do bold things, difficult things, some may even say crazy things, in an effort to reunite creation with their Creator. And this work of connecting people to the heart of God it requires all types of workers. Maybe you're a woman who has a heart to see others around the world be truly empowered, to help a new generation of leaders and see nations change. Maybe you're a recent graduate looking to explore new worlds, connect with individuals from a culture far different than yours, and work to bring the love of Christ into a nation for the very first time. Or an experienced married couple Coming into a new season of life, looking to mentor and care for those on the field, sharing important years with those who desperately need to see the light. A pastor who is given years of ministry serving short-term trips, but who hears that subtle whisper of God calling them to truly invest in the work they've so long supported. Or maybe you have unique talents and have struggled to understand how your music, sports, or film abilities could truly make a difference. And the Holy Spirit is nudging you to cross into another culture. Some of us will pray. Some of us will give financially. But some of us? Some of us will hear the call of God, the same one that called us to Him in the beginning. And we will risk it all. We will give our all to ensure tonight one less woman, man, or child drifts off to sleep without knowing the life-changing power of truly knowing Jesus. in there maybe your experience in film or sports might pay off as well you see the reality in the red zone is not a single one of those countries would issue you a traditional missionary visa it's amazing what happens with other forms of business or sports or the arts or different ways or teaching that can give access just to share god's love and shine that light you know um Another one of those moments in my life where I really felt like the Lord spoke. I was, just, I was single. I was sitting in church, and 
a newer believer, and I'm, but I'm sitting in church, and it's time for the offering. And our church, we, you guys have the bags, or we had the plates. And I look down, and I'm just in the middle of the congregation, and I look down, and there's the plate at the end of the aisle. And right away in my mind, I started like working through what, what bills I have in my pocket. Like I got a one, I got a five, and I got a 20. And then I start juxtaposing that or contrasting that with where I want to go to lunch today and maybe like how, where I want to go, how much should I put in the plate? Do I want to go to Wendy's or do I want to go to Applebee's? And I was just really was just kind of going through that in my mind. And I really felt like the Lord just stopped me. And I heard this as the plate was coming. I heard, why don't you just stand in the plate today? Right away in my mind, I, right away I just went to, that's going to be awkward. Uh, that is going to, I mean, I just imagine our ushers, you know, they had, um, you know, headsets on and everything. I just imagine an usher going, uh, we got a problem over here in aisle six. We got a guy standing in the plate. But as I saw myself there, the light came on. That it's not always just your money that you put in the plate. It's you. And I know when I put money in the plate and it goes down the aisle and out the back door, I know that is no longer my money. That is now. That's that's God's. That just goes to the work of the ministry. That's all his. And all of a sudden, that's when it made sense to me. That that's what he was asking of me in my life as, as his follower is, I'm in the offering. I'm the offering. Lord, it's your call. Whatever you want. I'm just yours. Today, as we close... I just wanted to maybe ask you to see a couple things with fresh eyes or fresh vision. Just like what he said when he said, lift up your eyes. You say, when, then. When this happens, then this. Or someday. But I say, I say, today is ready. Two things I'd like to, and I'm going to pray for you about. One, that you would see yourself in a fresh way as part of God's mission in some way. Feet, knees, hands. Right here at home or to the ends of the earth or both. But also that you would see other people, the whosoevers of the world, that you would actually see those as people that God deeply loves, wants to reconcile with, wants to find, and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. And that that would affect even the way you see other people, even the ones that society or media or whoever wants to make you try to hate or be afraid of. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you today for your goodness that we get to be a part of your mission. And today, Lord, let each of us in some fresh way step into the offering plate and say, Lord, here we are. We're yours. Help us, Lord, we pray, in how we see ourselves, that we see ourselves as a part of your team, a part of the body, a part of mission, as we go and bring the good news ourselves, but also as we pray for others and even as we support and as we give. And then, Lord, help us in how we see others, that we see others through the lens of your love, that you love everyone and they are worthy of your dignity. And Lord, for anyone here today that's saying, I think I'm, I think I qualify as whosoever and I want to say yes to Jesus. I believe in you. Lord, today, let this be an awesome day as they accept you. Lord, we give you thanks now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.